This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. And hey, as promised last time, I'm here to talk about on um, the best best comics I best comics I read in 2009. Now I wimped out on doing it last year because I thought, you know, it's like that's just too hard, man. I just can't think of like all the comics I read last year, and like I just like quantify them into like the like the ten best. And I thought, like you know, it's like just why bother? It's like this year I thought, no, fuck that. I'm gonna go ahead and just like sit down and think about the ten best that I read last year. But naturally, I'm gonna start off with. But I'm gonna have to quantify this whole list by saying that when, I, when it comes to talking about best comics of the year, you can't talk about that without talking about Blade of the Immortal. Because I swear to God, like those are the reason I gave I gave an entire podcast to that series earlier this yeah. year. It is my favorite goddamn comic series <laughs> that, that I read that I read like day day in and day day out. Well, I the and the um the final volume this the of uh, the pr- prison arc um demon demon there too. It is absolutely the best thing I read. I read so far this year. I as soon as I got that book, I sat down at Comic Con, read through it, and was just amazed about how well it resolved resolved this this arc and set up things for this, for the for for, for, for subsequent stories. And Volume Twenty Two Footsteps is coming out in another couple of weeks. Well, if you go to comic shops, it's coming out next week. Hmm. So like I so like I am like so hyped to, to like read that, and it's like, God damn, it's like. Like until so until I until this series starts selling in Naruto numbers, I'm going to tell you to keep <laughs> buying the series. But you know that, that gets kind of boring, so I'm not going to talk about that anymore right now. So basically, this is the list. This is the comics I thought that were that best ten best comics of of, of um, 2009 that weren't Blade of the Immortal. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> okay, and number ten through through sheer force of will is um, Kiminori was. Wakasugi's Detroit Metal City. Mm. Okay, Detroit Metal City, like on the surface, is a is a huge one note joke of a manga. <laughs> it's about the story of a, of a guy named Suichi Nagishi who wants to like sing sweet pop songs that that that'll appeal to everyone and make everyone happy in the traditional J pop tradition. But no, he doesn't wind up in like a sweet J pop band. He winds up singing with this hardcore underground metal band called Detroit Metal. City. Middle City under the persona of Krauser the Second, and he's and like when he's on stage as Krauser, he's just on on fucking fire. He is the metal mm. god, and like, and it's in this series, you know, it's like for a one note series as as that. The fact that I read the first three these three volumes and that and it hasn't worn out its welcome is a is an achievement in and of itself. The fact that like we've that we've seen like so we like traditional like. Set up a Suichi just being just being a pussy and then reverting to his Krauser persona in order to um, act out act out his his inner wishes has been like um, a real real joy to see and it's also it's also like seems that um, Wakasugi is just taking this 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 setup to explore like all the aspects of fa- of metal fandom in Japan and it's great to see that in the third volume we've got got him setting up on his on his longest story arc yet which basically has. Has um, Nagishi um, leading um, Detroit Metal City to this um, this Japanese um, black metal metal con- metal um, co- uh, convention or contest like in the shadow shadow of Mount in this shadow of Mount Fuji to uh, to just like um, take on this um, this the, all these other um, me- um, dark metal black metal bands in Japan and this like bla- this black Swedish metal band called Helvete which apparently like, was so was so evil made their made um, the DM Detroit Metal City's world version of Ozzy go to um, become a jazz singer instead. <laughs> yeah. So o- overall, like it's a great series, and I'm look and 
like I said, by all means, it should have been, it should have worn its one joke, one note joke welcome by now. But hey, I'm I'm hyped to see what where Volume Four takes us takes us in March. Honorable mention for this kind of for this kind of thing, like a one note joke that one note series that should have worn its welcome goes to Osama, goes to the legendary Osama Tezuka's Blackjack, mm. which you know like having a doctor who like solves and solvable cases like day in and day out for each of his cases should have been should have should have gone. Should have worn out its its welcome like a while ago, but overall, it's like it's been it's still been pretty entertaining. I'm still looking forward to Volume Nine's release um later, later this month in Vertical. Oh. Okay, now that now number nine on my list goes to Yotsubato or Yotsuba and if you're reading the American release. <laughs> now this series was was originally released by ADV Manga and was rescued by Yen Press, oh. like as I t- detailed in a podcast earlier this year. And these two volumes that Yen Press released with Volume 8 com- set to come out in another couple months. Hey, hey that's yeah. pretty quick. Yes. By ADV standards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, they've been just, like, like thoroughly fantastic. I mean, it's just like, it's just, while well, Yen's translation has been a bit more literal than ADV's, you know, just the fact that they, that they've been, that they're just as, they're just as funny and just as, and like the series has been just, just as inspired as, as the earlier ADV volumes were, has has been like a really wel- welcome surprise. I mean, like if if nothing else, like vol- it's worth reading just for the fact that like volume seven shows Amgutsuba punching a sheep. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. So like anyone who, like anyone who loves um who loves like great great on- anime comedy. I mean, even though this is like this is kind of like a like a like a moe manga like showing like the adventures of, like a young younger girl. It's like it's still absolutely fun. out ab. That I would recommend just to just anyone, anyone who likes great great comedy manga. Yeah, mm. honorable mention to other series that were that were rescued earlier this year goes to um, Del Rey's release of Parasite, mm. which was which was recently concluded this this year, and it's basically the story of a guy who was who had part of his body invaded by an alien parasite, basically his right his right hand, and and while he. Well, the parasite um, only took over his right hand. He basically formed formed a bond with it and used it to talk, fight off the other parasites, and learn some own in- insights into, into humanity, humanity as well. It's a great series, and it's and highly and highly recommended because like the original um, the original translation was done by by Tokupop um, back in their mixed days, which for lack of a better word is completely fucking awful. <laughs> but Del Rey gives it the translation translation it deserves, deserves, and in a much more um, and a much more a compact package because you get like seven Del Rey volumes as opposed to eleven Tokyo Pop mix volumes. Highly recommended. Okay, next next up number eight is Freak Angels by Warren Ellis and Paul Duffield. Mm-hmm. Now Ellis, he the guy writes off that's a fuckload of stuff, and I'll be talking even more more about this later on, including my in the next podcast. But that's that's a surprise for later. <laughs> and Freak Angels is unique in. If only for the fact that uh, well, Ellis has done a lot of stuff, in written a whole lot of stuff in his post transmetropolitan days. Lots, lots of miniseries, um, stints on, like, like for stuff for, for like Fell, for Avatar, and for um, and for Marvel as well with Thunderbolts and whatnot. But Freak Angels represents so far, like represents his most um, his most dedicated um, approach to a certain series because we've already got we're up to volume three with this. And basically, the premise is simple. 20 years ago, 12 strange children were born in England at the exact same moment. Six years ago, the world ended. 
this is the story of what happened next. Mm-hmm. I just read read from you the back of what happened with the from the back of volume one, and especially the story. Through these kids, they try to rebuild, rebuild the world, like start starting in starting in England in Whitechapel, mm-hmm. and it's it's really it's really interesting series. Like these because these characters, instead, <coughs> Ellis tends to write like a lot of his characters, especially like just being like fast, fast like just like hit, standard standard like you know like the like the the cynic, the cynic who's operate, like the um, the optimist who's operating in a cynical world, or just per, that kind of thing. But with um, with Freak Angels, he's taking all the characters and he's um, seg- like uh, like delineating parts of his personality, like the the tech, the, the, like the person who's like into technology, the person who's into like um, establishing bonds with other people, the person who's like into like finding new ways for people to work together, and putting them all into like individual characters by themselves, and then just finding ways for them to like. Like make, make like make the world better, and just and just like find find out where do we where do we go from here. Um, these first first few volumes are great. Pro- only issue I have with with this right now is that um, volume three ends on a cliffhanger, and we're still with and there's and volume four still hasn't been announced yet. Mm-hmm. It's great stuff, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes from here, especially once volume four is announced, which I hope is any minute now. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like as far as honorable mentions for um for this for this kind of series goes, I'd also give it to um, Warren Ellis's uh, one of the other series that was collected by Warren Ellis, which would be um Gravel Volume One, Bloody Liars. It's not. I wouldn't say it's a great, great um series. Great, great. It's it's not a great work, but it's basically the story of William Gravel, who is who was robbed of his position in in Britain's minor seven um they're the lo- the lower rank of magicians and he is in his quest to go and ki- and and um and get get what what he what he is owed to him back from all the from all the other six of the minor seven and he and it's just a great great action action story with lots lots of super, supernatural action and it's like you read this and you understand like it's it's got focus it's got it knows it's no knows what it's want what it wants to do and you can see why it's been licensed licensed for for a movie like at some point but so but so far it's been but like this first the first one Billy Liars like I said it's a great action yarn second volume as I mentioned in my in my um in the blog post um per, in the previous week it's not <coughs> quite as good but you know I'm hoping that 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 else else and um co-writer Mike Wolfer rebound with the se- with the next volume all right next up number seven is What a Wonderful World, Volumes 1 and 2 by Inio Asano. And I, I talked about Inio Asano's previous work, Solanine, in my um, art manga post, mm-hmm. and What a Wonderful World, both volumes, like, just almost as good. Like, if only for the fact that, it, like, what a, what a Wonderful World represents, like, individual stories of people trying, just regular people, trying to, trying, trying to find out, trying to struggle to be, to survive and, and find out what they want to do in life. Like in in Japan these days, as opposed to like just singular um singular ongoing story that that Solanine was, mm-hmm. and it's it's just a great it's a great series. It's filled with it's filled with humor humor sadness, and yeah, you know, it's like with other stories that you look at this and you think like you know it's just gonna be like a depressing series about like just real life, and real people. But overall, I mean it's just yeah because people in the people in here realize that you know, like life, it's full of sadness, full of depre- full of depression, full of stuff that you just don't want to go, don't that you wouldn't rather rather like face, 
But then they ultimately realize that hey, you know, it's more it's more important to actually try try and try and strive to be alive than just than just to give up. And that's what makes what makes this series worth it. And overall it's like I hope I look forward to seeing more stuff from from Asano from Biz because it's like it's this is released on almost the one year anniversary that that uh, that Solanine was so I hope that Viz makes a, a, a an annual release of of Asano's works from here on out. On the honor honorable mention for this for this like art manga titles goes goes to um, Jirota Noguchi and Yumamura Baku's um, face, facing the goddess. Because you'd, you'd put Tanaguchi like in a in a setting of a um, man man versus nature, and you're you're automatically recommended like great stuff. You the only thing holding it back from holding it back is basically that um this seems like Yumar Baku's first comics work, and he unfortunately relies on this the maxim of tell don't show rather than show don't tell, mm-hmm. like which is which is much serve everyone much better in comics. Still, I, I'm looking forward to reading more of this series, especially once I order for Amazon. Hopefully, it's like the I should get in the stock. All right. Now, one thing I noticed when I was compiling this list is that a lot of this stuff like, goes from series that we are either A, starting, or B, concluding. Not a whole lot of ongoing series, because like once you've established yourself, it's like you, you kind of like really don't, there's not really a whole lot of need to uh, just like, you know, it's like radically reinvent the series or just throw lots of new stuff like your way in order to find in order to like just like maintain audience appeal now it's interesting that the series like actually managed to like do something different in the middle of a series in the middle of its run to actually like, keep it going and that's that's where i give the nod to jason aaron's um um series scalped which is um mostly it was illustrated by by artist rm guerra mm-hmm. yeah with with scalped it's basically the story of um of um dat of dashiell bad horse a like a, an, a Native American who basically, who basically returns to the um, Indian reservation of his youth to work for this work for this um, Indian gangster, um, um, Red Crow, as he's starting trying to go legit and start up a, a, like a like a, like an Indian gaming um, casino, like on on his reservation, to make try to make life better for everyone there. Now, while Dash Dash Bad Horse is, is the thing is like that while Dash Bad Horse is. Essentially, there to like just try work security. He's also um, working undercover for the FBI, trying, trying to obtain like information on on bad horses. I'm sorry, on Red Crows. I'm um, criminal criminal doings in this. Listen now, the thing about Scalped is while I figured that um, that bad horses um, at his descent into into depression and self destruction, he kind of reached a peak with Volume Three, Dead Mothers. Where he confronts one of the um, other FBI agents who were who's kind of work sent to work there as his opposite number, at, but he winds up actually just going kill kill this one lady that just for just her kicks. But with um, volumes four and five, um, um, gravel in your guts and high lonesome, um, Dash Bad Horse hits an even bigger low because like you figured he reached the bottom, but then Aaron hands him a hands him a shovel in the form of in the form of drug. Drug abuse, which like when I when I read that point in, in Gravel in Your Guts, where like he just talks to his girlfriend, like, hey, you know, why don't you show me how to use drugs as well? I just thought, oh, that's it. You know, I was like, I might as well just like, stop hoping that he that he gets better and just like you know just start enjoying the uh, like the trashy spectacle of him just getting getting wor- getting worse and worse from here on out, mm-hmm. and that continued through through to High Lonesome Volume Five, but it also 
indicates that, hey, you know what? At the very end, you know, maybe he actually has reached the the, uh, the bottom the bottom of the barrel this time. And as it is, like, I guess normally it's like I think a series like this would have just like you know it would be too depressing to read. Like I'd rather just slip my wrists than just like pick up another volume. But Dash Bad Horses um Descent has just been too too compelling too compelling to not read. I'm highly anticipating the next volume, The Gnawing, which is set to ship in the next first. In the next couple of months, so high. So again, great stuff. And as far as other series that managed to um, like switch things up in an entertaining fashion, that honorable mention goes to Robert Kirkman's *The Walking Dead*, because while he proved that um, with volume volume eight, the series is still worth worth reading. Volumes nine and ten, which shipped this year, and volume eleven, which I would have read by now, but Amazon is completely sold out of it. Um, he's shown that you know, like our main character Rick. You know he's actually kind of super superfluous to the whole to the whole operation, and that and that you know like there's a chance that like he just might just die at any moment. That even if he did, that wouldn't matter because like the rest of the cast is still that much more in- interesting to read about. And like, even his son, who's only uh, like who's only about nine years old, he'd still be he'd still be a compelling character to read read about even in this the situation, and especially with volume ten, which shows that. He's that Kirkman like if you had if you really had any doubt like I'll admit I did that Kirkman like recognizes the cliches of your zombie movie and like knows how to avoid them. Kirkman does. He realizes that hey I know exactly what you're what you're going to expect when you see these kind of these kind of setups. Like when um this, when this one of their uh, military character like starts butting heads with Rick at the beginning of volume beginning of volume 10 and then eventually like, you realize that oh this is gonna be like a situation where like, it's gonna be like Rick or this other guy they're gonna one of those guys is gonna wind up dead but in the end th- they wind up bonding and I was like dude I, that's that's actually kind of cool that's actually more interesting mm-hmm. and it's gonna be even more surprising once one of them winds up dead eventually mm-hmm. it's like it's 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 a work of a, of a guy who understands the conventions of any of any genre of the genre he's working in and knows how to, how to give them a nice twist yeah so moving on, we've got number. You've got uh, what am I at right now? Okay, counting by the comics, I've got my hand. We're at volume number five, and that goes to um, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips Incognito. As I said in the last in the last podcast, and in case you had any doubt, yes, this was one of the best comics I read last year, and and it's like if you, and like if you haven't if you haven't bought it by now. It's like it's highly recommended that you do. It's a story of a of a super criminal who goes under witness protection and just like just just basically deadens all of his criminal instincts as he tries to adapt to being being a normal guy until the point where he finds out that all the drugs he's using um, allow him to actually go back to being a supervillain. But then he finds out that like it's not it's not that that things aren't that simple anymore. It's it's great entertaining stuff, and I look forward to reading what what Brubaker and Phillips go back. When Brubaker and Phillips go back to it, like after they're done with the latest volume, latest installment of Criminal. Speaking of which, that's the honorable mention for this for this rank, because like um, Brubaker and Phillips also released a volume of Criminal, um, Bad Night, which is highly, which is a great story of a comic book artist who is involved in in a scam, a scam that basically has a guy pay, trying to pay off some, posing an FBI agent to pay off some try, some get get collecting pay off some triads and then just. Um, things going um even going bad and even worse from there. Great stuff, and it's, and it's highly recommended. Yeah, 
Let's see, coming at number four is another series that I also talked about as being one of the best of the year. That is Fumi Yoshinaga's Oku. The story of a... Let's see, the story of a, of a Japan where in the... In the feudal, in the feudal era, with that, where the um, balance of sexes has been moved from both from from men to women, yeah, and it's and so far it's it's been it's been excellent as I, and um, vol, volume two was was just as good as we get as we get to see um, what the as we get to see what the ba- like the um, story like a lot of the um, writ, uh, like with volume two we get to see a lot of the um, backstory of the of. Of the writ of the of this of this setup, as we get to see the story of the first of how the see of how the, the balance of power shifted from from the men to the women in Japan, and how some and how we required some both some extremely canny women canny women advisors as well as a man as well as a form, former Buddhist monk who had some who had some very who was had very um very good human insight that. That he knew how to like maneuver, maneuver like all all the all the changes that were going on. It just like it's it's really really interesting, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where where this goes with volume three com- supposedly coming in March. Yeah, let's see. I couldn't think of a think of a good um analog for, analog for this one, but I'm sure. But oh wait, that's right. Um, Fumi Yoshiga's next next vo- next next work that, from Viz, all, all my darling daughters, ships in two weeks from Viz. Like for lack of for lack of a better work, I, I'm I'm all over that. I'm all over that. Go buy that too. Yeah. All right. Number three, another manga. You know, there's a lot of these on this list. Mm-hmm. Anyway, number three is Emma by Kaoru Mori. Like Emma is a story of a. It's a, it's a story of a. Is a um is it's in the Victoria in the Victorian England in in the Victorian England era and it's a story of a, of a maid who fall, falls in love with a with 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 an upper class with an upper class individual and um he, and and while he while he loves her too there's a whole lot of complications from their from their interclass courtship mm-hmm. while the series ostensibly concluded this main story with volume seven back in two thousand eight. 2009 saw saw the release of um, volumes eight, nine, and ten, which show the um, various side stories of of the support of the supporting cast, and they were all fantastic because because Mori, um, aside from the fact that she's that she's a fantastic artist, she did she's done tons of research to show to understand what 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 in, what Victorian England looks like at this time. She her, her understanding of of character, let's see of character. Of, let's see of of character, of character character movement and body language, it is absolutely fantastic. It's 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 a it's pure joy to look, look at, to look at her, to look at her um, depiction of characters and understand like that she knows how how just suggest a just like a simple just like suggest a lot of stuff without having having to tell this to the audience. In, instead, I mean like you look at like. A, Another similarly gifted artist like Steve Dillon, who's done lots of great work work with Garth Ennis in terms of like body language, body language and art, and she and like and she's um just just as good if not a little better in her in her depiction and um and this final volume volume ten which I read earlier this week brings everything brings the entire saga to a great end and you know it's like it's a huge 
like as as Wayne would put it, it's a great mega happy ending. <laughs> yeah, and uh, honorable mention, like you know, I just give it to um, give it to her next series, um, Otoya Megatari, oh. which is um, which hasn't been announced as being licensed yet, but I'm willing to bet that CMX is going to be all over this, like like white on rice. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope so. I hope to see your next series licensed and released next year, but we'll see how that goes. Okay, number two is Volume 2 of All-Star Superman by, by Grant Morrison and Frank Whitley. Hmm. Now, one of the things I, I really I, I regret was um, when I did my um, Superman podcast back in 2008 is that for some reason I forgot to mention um, Grant Morrison's series in that podcast. Hmm. And that's a true tragedy because his, his All-Star, both volumes All-Star Superman, probably recommend probably represent the the one Superman series that you need to read. Because it just takes, like, everything you know about Superman, just like his relationship with Lois, his antagonism with, with Lex Luthor, his, his Fortress of Solitude, and just, like, every everything else. The Kryptonite, the Kryptonite, the Bizarros, everything, and just takes tells a story that, that isn't connected to any uh, regular standard DC continuity that you need to read. Just basically... Distill Superman down to his essence, about a about a hero who who doesn't like um, solve things just by beating people into the ground, by getting but by getting people to understand what what his view of the world is, and it's 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 utterly utterly outstanding. I mean, especially at the very end when he like my favorite moment is when when Luther after he finally after he's taken his like his Superman serum, um he's trying to beat the crap out of Superman and show him that he was right, Luther like. Like, like as he finally like starts to un- starts to get a get an understanding of like what what it's like to be see the world from Superman. He's still trying to beat him up, and then he tells Superman, "He's like, I saw how to save the world. I could have made everyone see. I could have saved the world if it wasn't for you." And then Superman just clocks him right across his face, and then he says, like the ultimate comeback, "You could have saved the world years ago if it had mattered to you, Luther." Just showing that you that. That that's what Superman's all all about. Just like just getting people to understand what what his like what it's like to see things from his his worldview. And you know, like some people might might have issues with with Quitley's um like pursed lips, like like type type characters. But still, it's it's a beautiful series. And you know, if I was gonna tell anyone to read anyone to uh, like pick up a, a super a volume of Superman to see what it was all about. I'd recommend this one because, you know, like after all these years, it's like, like to try and like create a definite work about what Superman's about. You know, that's an achievement in and of itself. And that's what, that's what also Superman does. Honorable mention goes to Grant Morrison's other DC work, which includes final crisis, which probably would have made the list had it been twice as long because it just didn't have the room to do what Grant Mor- I could see what Grant Morrison was trying to do with this series, but it just, couldn't pull it off with the, the amount of space that he had. Also, his Batman work was great, but um, well, you know, it's like it's it's more Matt. It's more like a good good litmus test for how awesome you think Batman is. It's like yeah, I think it's awesome that Batman has has created a backup personality to take over when his mind comes under attack, as seen in Batman R.I.P. But you know, it's like your mileage may vary. Still. Highly recommended. Now, best comic I read I read last year. This is six volumes so far. Volume seven comes out in February. This will be 
Naoki Urasawa's 20th Century Boys. Because mm. as I talked about in the Urasawa podcast, it's a story of these guys who created, who had had this vision of what, what the future was going to be like, what their what what their imagination was going to like show, what, how they imagined the future was going going to be, and like all how they're going to save the world from all, all these from all this evil is going to befall it, and then how all their prophecies started to come true. But then they had to go and save. Then they have now to try and save the world after they become adults and lose that youthful optimism. It's great, fascinating stuff, and more than anything else, I, this is my favorite series just because I can't wait to see what happens next. You know, I resent the fact that this month is going to give us um, the next to last volume of Urasawa's Pluto, which isn't which isn't really isn't as good, but we're gonna have to wait till February to get volume seven, which um, I guess is into the next. Which gets in the next section of, of the story, and I just let's see. I just can't wait to see what's like what's what's gonna happen next with this series. And I honestly wish we were getting this series monthly, so I, so we wouldn't have to wait until uh, what's it gonna be twenty to the to probably um twenty the end of twenty eleven to find out what's gonna how this series is gonna end in America. Oh, yeah. yeah, I could just buy buy the uh, no 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 to buy go and download the scanlations, but you know. I I I want to I want to give him my money for this. That's how much I like this series. Oh. So that's that's how that's 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 where we are from here. And honorable mentions go to just also um other series that, that concluded spectacularly this year are um Brian, Brian Azarillo's um One Hundred Bullets series to talk about in the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, along with on Dark Horse Dark Horse manga's other great series um. Eden, it's an endless world. The Kurosaki Course Delivery Service, Berserk, which are cursed, which would have been on this list if not for the fact that they were cursed with the fact of just being excellent series that just continued, that they really continued nothing else than being excellent in this in this year alone. So, that's oh wait, I guess it's also wait. What time? What are we at right now? Thirty. Thirty. Okay, I hell with it. Let me tell you about my. Let me just. Talk about a bit of my disappointments, because let's see, I mentioned um, Children of the Sea in my in my um when I blog when I blog post for this for the site, you know it's like for for Viz's um Sigeki imprint, I was expecting more, but this is the series really only has like some really some really nice art to recommend it. With volume with volume two, I honestly don't know if this if this guy is just um ha- has anything else besides just you know, like just suggesting a. A greater story other than actually telling it. Um, volume three is set to come out later this year. I, I, and I'd like to say that I'm going to stop reading this series, but you know, I just, I just can't. That's that's my that's my curse right there. And also, Batman. Whatever happened to the Cape, Cape Crusader, which reunited um, um, brilliant writer um, Neil Gaiman with um, artist Andy Kubert. It it was intended to be a um, bookend to um. To um to the Bruce Wayne Batman era, like much in the way that um Alan Moore's whatever whatever happened to the Man of, the T- of Tomorrow Superman story was, but this one just kind of like was just kind of like you know oh Batman died and they had a funeral, and then he realized that oh the best thing about his life was being Batman. <laughs> All righty then, <laughs> so like, let's just say I'm glad that uh, I had I was able to trade in a a friend's. A friend's gift of a comic that I already bought in order to subsidize my costs for buying this comic. <laughs> so that and so that's it. So 
that's my thoughts on the best stuff I read for two for for two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. But I'm not done talking about two thousand nine because I've also got um, thoughts on other series that also came out in two thousand nine from my next podcast, which I'm calling interesting failures. Mm-hmm. So I'll just leave you in suspense for next time. <clears throat> we'll okay. see you around. That's right.